Believing in the resurrection brings peace, comfort, and encouragement. But it also brings the responsibility and privilege of proclaiming the message of peace and forgiveness available in Christ. But here's a question for you. Does the idea of sharing your faith scare you? Does it make you just a little bit nervous? You'll be inspired today as you see what happened in the early church. This lesson is called, From Cowardice to Courage. Back in 1916, Georgia Tech's football team took on little tiny Cumberland College. Georgia Tech was a football powerhouse uh, back then as well, and it, it quickly humiliated Cumberland College. And the game ended with an embarrassing score, if you can believe it, of 222 to 0. The Cumberland players were tired, uh, bruised, discouraged. In fact, near the end of the game, a reporter uh, told the story that the Cumberland quarterback, Ed Edwards, fumbled a snap from center. And as those big tech linemen charged into the backfield, Edwards yelled to his fullback to pick it up. And that, that poor, battered, bruised fullback yelled back, you dropped it, you pick it up. Well, I can't help but think that if the score had been kept between the disciples and the world, right about now, it would be the world, 222, and the disciples, zero. They're discouraged. They're defeated. They're hiding out behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. But let me tell you, it's going to take a miracle for them to ever pick up that ball and run with it again. The resurrection of Jesus is just that miracle. In fact, several things happen in John chapter 20 that are going to uh, turn this defeated little team of disciples into a powerhouse team of ambassadors for Christ. We'll begin here at verse 19, which we, we touched on this in an earlier wisdom journey. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. By the way, this, this reveals that his glorified body is capable of transcending any physical barrier. It also reveals that when you're absolutely discouraged and afraid, you can't lock Jesus out. He can show up. Well, he shows up here and he says to his disciples in verse 19, Peace be with you. Now, the word peace here is more than hello or God bless you. It's actually a statement of blessing for those who are in a right relationship with the Lord. So no matter what you're going through today, I want you to hear the Lord reassure you as one of his followers with this word, peace. God is in control. You belong to him by faith in Christ. Now, in Luke's gospel account, the focus is on how startled they are to see him, and that's because at first they, they think they're looking at a ghost, and I can understand why. John's gospel tells us here in verse 20 that Jesus quieted their fears by showing them his hands and his side, and Luke uh, adds that he showed them his feet as well in chapter 24. Now, 
Uh, The verb translated showed here in verse 20 literally means displayed. So Jesus must have slipped one arm out out of the sleeve and showed them his pierced side. He displayed his pierced hands and his feet. This tells us he's chosen to keep some of the scars. Consider the fact that the only scars in heaven will be his. All of yours will be healed. Well, Luke records that Jesus also eats eats some fish. This shows that even though he can pass through locked doors, he's still a real person made of glorified flesh and bones. Well, then Jesus reminds them of their apostolic mission. He says here in John chapter 20 and verse 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Well, this communicated at least two very encouraging things to them. First, Jesus isn't going to kick them off the football team and go gather a new one. Well, that was encouraging. And secondly, he communicates to them that they have a responsibility in light of his resurrection, and and that is challenging to them and, frankly, to us today. We're not supposed to hide behind closed doors or in some commune or monastery up there in the mountains. There's a world out there that is thirsty for the truth, and, and they're drinking from mud puddles. We have the clean water of life, and we're not to keep it to ourselves. When our verse 22 says, when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, don't misunderstand this here. The permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit is going to come 50 days later on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the church is created. What Jesus gives them here is a is a one-time temporary enablement that will empower them as they wait nearly two months for the descent of the Holy Spirit and the creation of that New Testament church. Well, here in verse 23, Jesus says to them, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, again, many have misunderstood this text to mean that Peter and the apostles began a priesthood that had the power, even to this day, to forgive people's sins. Not at all. In fact, the two verbs here translated forgiven and withheld are perfect passives in the Greek New Testament. Jesus is saying that the disciples can tell people that their sins have already been forgiven or that forgiveness has already been withheld. In other words, Jesus is telling the disciples and you and me today that we can actually announce with confidence to those who believe in Jesus Christ that their sins have now been forgiven forever. We didn't forgive them. We didn't mediate the forgiveness. Jesus does all that. And with confidence, we can also tell those who reject Jesus Christ that their sins are not going to be forgiven. Well, with that, John's gospel adds here in verse 24 that, well, somebody's missing from the upper room. That somebody is Thomas. He was not with them when Jesus came. When Thomas had heard about Jesus' appearances from his his fellow disciples, he'd been skeptical. Listen to what he says here recorded in verse 25. 
unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, let me tell you, beloved, Thomas carries his faith in his fingertips. He's a lot like many people today who are only going to trust what they can see and touch. Well, John just sort of fast forwards to eight days later, and this time Thomas is with the other disciples. Jesus appears again, announces peace again, and then he looks directly at Thomas and says here in verse 27, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Well, this is exactly the evidence Thomas had demanded. But now in the Lord's presence, his doubts disappear, and he just immediately says in verse 28, my Lord and my God. You know, this is the first time in the Gospels Jesus is addressed in this way. This is what theologians call the great Christological announcement. This silences the cults and the world religions and the naysayers regarding the singular deity of Jesus Christ. Would you notice, by the way, that Jesus doesn't correct Thomas? He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 Thomas, you're you're going way too far here. Oh, no. He accepts Thomas's declaration that he is God, and he welcomes Thomas's worship of him as God in the flesh. Now, I like to think of this next verse uh, being especially for you and for me, and frankly, for every disciple throughout human history from that time on. Verse 29 says, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Well, let me tell you, that blessing is for you, beloved. There's a special commendation Think about it, a special reward one day because you believed in Jesus Christ without ever having the opportunity to touch his hands and his side, to see his feet, his resurrected body. Perhaps today you're discouraged. Maybe you're defeated. Maybe you're doubting. It it might feel like the score right now in your life is 222 to nothing, and, and you're on the losing team. Oh, you you wish you could see the Lord's face like Thomas. Let me tell you, I understand. There are times I'd like to see the same thing. But let me tell you, beloved, while, while you can't watch him eat a fish dinner or touch his hands, he's in your house today. While you can't see him standing there in your room, he can see you. So listen to his heart commend you today for believing this written word, trusting, believing, waiting until that moment when you do finally see him. And in the meantime, don't worry about the score. It might feel like 220 to nothing, but just remember the game isn't over yet. And when it finally is, let me tell you, a joyful victory celebration is going to begin, and it will never, ever end. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 
Today's lesson on this wisdom journey is called From Cowardice to Courage. I hope it inspired you today. Stephen Davey is the president of Wisdom International. Our ministry produces biblically faithful Bible teaching in nine languages. We're thankful for our financial partners who make it possible. In addition to equipping you with these daily Bible lessons, we also have a magazine that we publish. Stephen deals with a different topic each month and helps you better understand what the Bible says and how it applies directly to your life. The magazine also has a daily devotional that will enrich your walk with God as you spend time with Him daily. To receive the next three issues, visit wisdomonline.org forward slash magazine. Join us next time on The Wisdom Journey.